Make a move and then she's calling Forest fires, cougars marlin' Take a chance and roll the dice one day If you're a DM player, find you Millennials can join this quest too Expedition, we're gonna find a way It's Thursday, the 4th of February, and you are listening to Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks with me, Andy Goodman. This series just won't bloody die. Um, I think this might even be the 10th part of, uh, well, at least the 10th episode, not counting the actual plays, um, where we talk about Eldritch Organ. Um, and perhaps more specifically about League of Eternal Guardians. It seems like there was a lot of a lot of things to chew over from, from everyone, including uh, one of the participants who, up until now, hadn't actually um, hadn't contributed to the discussion, but who, as you'll hear, had been meaning to, but just never got round to it. Presumably because he's just too lazy and couldn't be bothered. But um, something must have stirred the hornet's nest. And um, I think it was a couple of messages from Safer Fantasy Crafting that did it. So um, you're about to hear a, a long and, and kind of, uh, well, it roams around a number of topics, uh, a lo- long and roaming message from Spencer, free thrall of uh, Keep Off the Borderlands, who is now becoming one of my regular players, which... Um, I am extremely pleased about. It uh, seems like he is enjoying it as well, from what he says, so that's fantastic. And, you know, um, when I'm listening back to the actual plays, because, of course, almost every session I play now is is, is recorded for posterity and, and most likely for publishing at some point, it is lovely picking up on all these things that you almost don't notice during the session, either as a player or, or a GM. And either in this episode, depending on how long this runs, or, or, or in the next one, which will follow pretty, pretty shortly, TJ, TJ Drennan, the, the wonderful TJ Drennan, who not only is a player in, in occasional player in my games, I wish he played more because he's an incredible player. Um, uh, TJ, uh, who also does the music and edits a lot of my actual plays. I, I edit some of them, and he edits the majority of them. We have a, a little um, uh, kind of uh, a pact going on. Um, it's It's been a wonderful project, actually, working with him. I've learned so much about editing from him, and um, I don't know if he's learned anything from me. Probably not. Um, probably, uh, you know, how not to be... How not to be uh, a uh, railroading bastard GM um, do, do, don't do what Andy does um, but 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 we we were actually you know in, listening to some of the earlier episodes of, of this eternal uh, guardians of this eldritch organ, organ TJ and I were chatting on the side saying you know it's really interesting how there's this very different uh, perception reality and 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 I suppose some sort of fiction in between the two 
of what goes on at the table and, and you really start to appreciate that when you edit these sessions. So some of the editing decisions you make do dramatically change the nature of the session, the, the, the way that people are reacting and, and even to some extent the role that people are playing. You can, you can actually manipulate that quite a lot through the editing. Of course you can. You can leave out arguments, you can leave out um, tensions, you can, you can amplify certain things. And you do that to create a better sort of flow to the to the recording, to the to the to the actual play. So what of course you're then presenting is is in some ways only a very thin slice of that of that reality of, of what happened at the table. And that of course is then not taken into account everyone's internal internal visualization who's playing at the table and how those might differ from from the consensus reality of what the GM is imagining or, or what someone listening is imagining. So anyway, that's <laughs> that's to come later. Um, but but right now, you know, um, Spencer and then the follow-up actually, it's kind of weird because Safer left a bunch of messages but he, he, he sort of left them for Goblin's henchmen as a direct reply to him but of course Goblin's henchman's messages were were on my podcast because he sent them to me so it it it's sort of I'm just the venue for this conversation the conversation is really between Safer and, and Goblin's henchman of course it touches on on me and on Barney and on Spencer as well and um, I'm going to play all those messages anyway uh, I guess I should probably just clear it with both Goblin's henchmen and say for that it's okay for me to put them up. Uh, I, 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 well, I mean, Safer did send them to me, so my assumption is he wants me to put them up, but maybe not. Maybe he wants them just to be a personal message to Goblin's henchmen. But, but actually, there's no way. I mean, there's a lot of um, theorizing in there, theorizing in there about about the different styles and approaches of play, and. I find that fascinating because really Safer was and is very much, as he says, a simulationist. And he really thinks the rest of us are narrativists. In in the classic Ron Edwards tripartite scheme of um, simulationist, um, narrativist and gamist, which which as we know is not they're not mutually exclusive. They are they are not um, it's 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 about how much how much of each you have. As a player, you, you, it's very unlikely to be just wholly one. I suppose you could be. But anyway, anyway, um, I'm going to play first. I'm going to play all of Spencer's sing singular message. And um, there's a very nice, I guess, compliment there to all of us as a group from Spencer about how much he enjoys playing with us. And I think that that in the end. And, and you know, Safer actually says it as well um, in one of his later messages. It takes him a while to get there. But, you know, in the end, in the end, as long as you're having fun, all of these awkwardnesses and, and minor frictions that, that inevitably come up and that, you know, if you're, if you're editing your session, you can relive them in exquisite detail. Um, they don't matter in the end. What matters is, of course, that we're having fun. So um, Let's put that on one side, they're having fun. I think the interesting bit, really, is these, is these really different perceptions of the roles that were being played and of the dynamic at the table. And um, hopefully, once you've listened to these, either, either the, the, the episode will end with uh, TJ's wonderful outro music, or there will be this, um, this additional 
discussion between myself and TJ. I get the feeling that that warrants its own episode. So um, I cannot predict, but let's see. Let's see where we go. Maybe there'll be another episode following very shortly on after this. Hi, Andy. Um, I initially wanted to get in touch following Safer's reflections on the Eldritch Organ games that we were involved in and uh, listening to what he had to say uh, raised a few things for me and uh, I, um, I had intended to send you a message myself at the time but as it is with these things sometimes you know a few days elapsed and uh, and, the, and the desire to say something waned a little but thanks to goblin henchman's gob, goblin's henchman's recent message where he gave his thoughts following listening to the actual play of the the session that Barney run i felt there were perhaps factors at play regarding how things unfolded that may not have come across in the actual play itself. Um, thinking back to Safer's original message, uh, there was a suggestion that he felt he was playing his character while the rest of us were playing as players. And um, I really didn't get that impression myself. It certainly didn't feel that that's what I was doing. Um, my character was a subjugator, and as such, I felt that the abilities my character had would only be of use once the nature of the eldritch entity we were dealing with began to reveal itself. So as far as kind of holding off and I think um, wanting to smell the bouquet, as Henchman put it, as an investigator, I felt that I wanted to know a bit more about what was going on before we leapt into action. And it was true that we were there to prevent something from happening, but it certainly wasn't initially clear to me what that might be. And thinking about the situation me and Safer's character were in, confronting the Swiss army outside the cathedral, that our characters being at odds somewhat. I never at any point felt that there was any conflict between us as players. And, I mean, one of the reasons as well for my uh, desire to thwart the action was the, the idea of our two characters taking on a military unit. I mean, we were completely outgunned and we wouldn't have lasted two minutes. Probably would have been a very short session for our characters. And that feeling of wanting to de-escalate the situation, I felt was as true for my character as it was for me as a player. Um, as far as... Safer's thoughts about the possibility of an improvised investigation game B 
being somewhat unobtainable. Um, I think that perhaps, well, I, I wouldn't completely agree with him, but I do think there's an issue there with it being an improvised investigation game that's also a one-shot. That does raise particular problems. I mean, you are then left with the situation of, particularly with a mystery that's tied to a particular location, you either start where the action is, or, as with the second session, you start somewhere and are led to the site of the action. And it's difficult to see any other way of doing that. Well, it's difficult for me to see that anyway. But then, you know, I'm not the most experienced player and I'm certainly no GM. Um, I was thinking about the situation I was in where I uh, rolled to see if I could gain any information about the artifact and you know because you know being an investigator I was looking for some kind of something concrete that might give us some sort of indication as to what we were dealing with and that question was flipped back at me and I you know I fumbled that opportunity improvising as a player and coming up with something about the artifact that would add something to the game I guess and I feel there were two things going on for me there one you know having the spotlight on me and wanting to come up with something interesting but also kind of not fully grasping the the idea that I would be able to introduce something that would add something to the proceedings, especially when I was hoping to gain information to shed some light on what was going on. For me to kind of be offering up that information, there was a sort of a disconnect for me there. And I I guess I don't have the sort of improvisational chops quite yet to uh, have pulled that off I'd just add that I mean playing with you guys and also in the Call of Cthulhu sessions that we've had as just some of the most fun I've ever had gaming so thank you for that I guess a bit of a mixed bag of things there not the clearest message you've ever received but um, yeah I just thought that maybe uh, another perspective might add a little something to the discussion. So, uh, yeah, do with this as you see fit. Take care. Hello there, goblins. Uh, Thank you for your direct messages and for giving me the heads up there on um, Andy's episode. Uh, I've, I've listened to it and yeah, don't worry. Don't worry, I'm fine. I'm okay. I wasn't upset or annoyed or peed off. I think, um, <coughs> which did seem to come across in the uh, podcast, uh, you're right, um, but uh, acknowledge you weren't saying that. Um, I think it was more a case of the rest of the players being annoyed and peed off at me, actually, because of my shenanigans. Um, 
But I think you were right in your assessment that there was there was discord there. I was discordant uh, with the rest of the group. Uh, there was a lack of harmony um, for one reason or another. Um, I'll go to a second message here. I'm going to cut this off early. It's quite a lot to unpack here and uh, quite a few responses I'm going to have to make to everyone there. So it could be on a while here. So one of the things you wouldn't have been aware of, uh, Goblins, was that I made my character last. I'd already seen all the other players' character sheets that they'd submitted, and I decided to make a character. I'd seen that they were all um, quite clever characters. They were Van Helsing's with high knowledge skills, high occult knowledge, magic skills, uh, negotiation and tax skills. So I decided to make a character that was the opposite of that. Uh, because of the way the game was set up, it's uh, an opposing characteristic scale where if you're good in one thing, you have to be weak in the, in the opposite uh, equivalent attribute. So I thought I'll dump on all the things that they've given themselves strength in and I'll, and I'll boost up all the, the things that they hadn't. So I made a meathead. I thought we need a bit of muscle because they're all the brains. I'm going to be the muscle. And that was kind of also a, an insurance policy of my own. Um, where I made a, an intentionally dumb character to cover the times when I was expecting to be dumb within the game myself. So, um, you know, I hadn't played a game in over 30 years. Um, I'm not a particularly experienced gamer. I hadn't played with any of them before. They had, I think quite a few of them, obviously Archie and um, Andy had played a lot of games together and I think they'd all played in some games together. And they were f they're far ahead of me in terms of knowledge and experience and, and, and gaming skill. And I'm also a very anxious person. I'm, I'm well aware of the fact that when I get nervous, uh, I tend to brain freeze. I get brain fades and um, sometimes I, I can't even remember my own name when I get incredibly anxious. So I was expecting all these things to happen in game and I was expecting to be on a, to not be in complete control of my faculties, to be a bit of a loose can to be once the game started, I was expecting to be on a bit of a runaway train with, with my nerves. Uh, so I made my character as a, an insurance policy just to cover my tracks for when I was I was thoroughly expecting to be dumb at times in the game. But I also hope that by making a character like that, I may make a complementary character. And as I say, it just turned out to be a contradictory or contrary character. At the start of the game, I wasn't really thinking about the game or the direction of the game. I wasn't even thinking about winning the game. I was just thinking about my character. I was just playing around with my character. I was just sticking about with my character. And I was doing things that I thought my character would do. Um, the suggestion of me shooting the fuel tank on the truck at the start, um, I wasn't actually intending to do that. I think if, if Spencer had said, yeah, go ahead, that's a great idea, I would have been mortified. I would have been, really? It's, that's the dumbest idea in the world. I was just doing it as a sort of establishing, this is the sort of thing my character thinks of. He's a sort of simple-minded action man, you know? I think. It, but if I'd actually been forced into the situation of doing it, I would have said, well, you know, just an idea, just just in case we need it, you know, just in case it's just an option in the future. I, I think I would have reined back on it. And all the other players, I don't know how they settled in the groove. I don't know if they were having conversations beforehand. I don't know if they were having more discussions about how they wanted to play the game or whether they just hit their groove naturally. Um, but they were all seen to play, wanted to play a more covert, covert type of game, a spy game, a sort of perhaps like a Mission Impossible type character. So they're all cool under pressure and um, unruffled uh, and and uh, competent and coordinated. And uh, I wasn't gelling with that at all at the start. And I realised when we went back into the church with Spencer, when Spencer was saying, when I was saying, get ready to smash the stone, Spencer was saying, look, let's just, let's just, let's just the game play out. I realised that I was at odds and I tried to change my behaviour 
once we went back into the church halfway through the game. And I tried to align myself more with what they were doing and try to support their attempts to investigate the situation and to back up any activities that they did. Um, and I realised that I need to change my approach. But once our attempts at investigation had pretty much failed, I mean, attempts at occult history trying to understand the situation uh, hadn't worked. And Spencer had tried to cleverly steal the um, professor's notes, uh, but had failed in his roles. And then when Andy did that brilliant bit of um, his brilliant health and safety routine, just a brilliant piece of authority and, and taking narrative control of a game. And I tried to support him. I mean, Archie tried to support him in that by giving him a, using his, I think it was a redirection skill to try and give him a, a disguise. And I tried to support his actions by trying to empty the church and trying to establish that this was a dangerous work area now. And, and But it, 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 didn't, it, it didn't come to any fruition and we never rediscovered anything about the game. And so I decided that we need to make a decision and should we destroy this thing or um, perhaps try and steal it. And I think even at the point when Andy's health and safety routine failed, I think him and Archie were even accepting that we needed to take some preemptive action. And the funny thing about that tension that there was in the team with me, it did actually create quite an interesting, exciting game um, and an outcome. It was crazy. Uh, it was energetic. It was lively. I don't think anyone could say they were bored in that first game at any point because it was, it was chugging along. And um, I think some of that tension that can exist within the game is, is almost inherent in the way the game is set up with its competing influences. But I, th I think a little bit of tension within the team can create a, an energy and drama to it in itself. I, 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 I think perhaps I've got more in common with Barney than I thought because I quite like those teams where, you know, where they've, there's an elf and a dwarf in the team and you've got that little bit of, bit of space, a little bit of animosity between the teams. I think it helps tick along the dynamic. So I'm not really averse to it, but I think your assessment was right that the, there was a jarring of the vibes uh, and the, the intents of the, the players. I think all this might hint at the importance of a sort of session zero, which we didn't have in the game. I don't know if the other players did or communicated with themselves, but I didn't um, discuss with them beforehand. I was having to pick it up as I went along. Um, that need to get on the same page. I think there's a hint of, a, of, of perhaps a more boring theoretical thing about how about my simulationist tendencies. If you think when I all the things that I was trying to do, I wasn't actually trying to get to the the action. I wasn't actually trying to get to the climax and move the game along. I was actually trying to sidestep the game. All the things I was suggesting were to try and prevent the manifestation of evil, to try and avoid uh, the events of the game happening, which indicates the, the weakness of the simulationist approach in that you can become this character that destroys the story, destroys the game, tries to prevent the game from getting off the ground even, become a cowardly character that avoids uh, encounters uh, an interesting adventure. So, you know, with Ron Edwards' theories, a gamer may want to get to that big fight scene with the big bad. He may want the, the evil to show itself so he can beat it down and, and win the game. And, and a narrativist might want to just... I think the other players had a more narrativist approach where they were just wanting to let the story unfold, have faith in uh, Barney, let the evil manifest itself, and then let the game just naturally, let the story arc unfold and, and let the game come to its uh, the most satisfying cinematic um, narrative climax. Whereas all my efforts were actually trying to prevent that climax and trying to avoid it. So 
that is a negative element, and I think it's a weakness in the simulationist approach. And I think where where Ron Edwards says that simulation simulationism is 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 a is a faulty approach to the game, where you're you're trying to treat it like a real place and a real character trying to respond in a realistic fashion is anathema to the gaming element of role playing. I think you know your call-ins uh, really looked an interesting comments there. I think you've touched on a lot of ideas there with. Um, player etiquette, um, team composition, uh, approach to play, the idea of possible session zeros. Um, there's a lot we could discuss further on the matter. But I personally, I've really enjoyed my experience with the Eldritch organ and, and the players. I, I can't fault them on that. I think they've been really patient and gentle and generous towards me. Uh, I've had a lot of laughs. I'm really glad. I found it a challenge. I found it difficult. I found it nervous. But I found it rewarding as well. And uh, I love the game. I love uh, the League of Eternal Guardians. I think it's a great game. I think it's accessible, D6, easy, intuitive to understand, a couple of pages. Um, and, it, and it lends itself to you can create any character you want because of the, the conceit of uh, the situation. Um, it, it does seem to be lending itself to dramatic, extravagant type of players. It's less of a horror game, more of an action game. It seems to be more like aliens than alien, but I've loved it. What I love about League of Eternal Guardians is it seems to be taking on its own life. It's evolving. It's growing. It started as a sort of experiment in improvised investigation. And it's taken on its own character. Th- simply through the, the random creative elements and inputs of, of multiple people. We, um, we've got a selection of random seed, adventure seeds already. Uh, for locations, settings, items, monsters. Um, and it's a wealth of interesting ideas that I've strangely coalesced and started to create their, their own complex cyclical mythos and um, setting around it, which is fascinating to me that, that the random elements can create such a thing. But, um, yeah, I think it's a great game, and I recommend anybody, you know, if you get the chance, get a hold of the, the rules. Perhaps if we can create some Discord servers and perhaps open this thing up and get people on board, I recommend people that take part because it's a, it's a really freeing, creative game to play we played a, a later game with archie gm in it and some of the elements he introduced created a sort of ironic uh, cyclical um, complex plot element where almost the disastrous events of carlisle is the reason why the league was created in the first place it's the events in carlisle that caused the league to come into fruition um so i'm finding it a fascinating little project um I think it does lend itself to um, extravagant characters. I think even in the second game, I think Andy and Jason, Jason had a great character. He was a guitarist um, who could affect the mythos with his, with his humming, uh, his strumming. And uh, he kept us in the game, actually. Uh, he, he brought us back to sanity. I don't know whether it's his soothing lyrics, uh, soothing chords, or more perhaps just the jarring uh, guitar sounds that was bringing us back to sanity but he kept us in the game but even in that game I was actually a bit discordant in that game because I was trying to play it more dry and a more basic character in that game I created my character first because I listened to um, the GMs uh, of course you're not part to any of this but there was some discord in the second game and I think this all may suggest that we need to have more session zero we need to talk more about what we're trying to achieve the game is evolving it's creating its own character i think it's becoming an open-ended game for extravagant uh, dramatic type of characters over the top characters i think that's the direction that it's going 
But as I say, I've had a, a great time playing it. I'm not frustrated. I think I've frustrated everybody else more more so. Um, but I'm glad to take part, and I, and I want to continue with the project. And I and I cert- and I heartily recommend other people get on board with the project as well, and perhaps get the take the chance to get a hold of the rules uh, when uh, Barney releases it in the uh, Zine Quest. Okay, thank you, uh, Goblins. Take care. So, TJ, yes, sir. Thank you for making the time to come and talk to me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, because I. I think you are in a unique position of being being able to judge us all. You know, I would have agreed with you until just a few minutes ago. You pretty much just told me something that turned all of my assumptions on their head. So I don't know how <laughs> useful I'll actually be. We'll find out. We'll find out. Well, uh, pretend I didn't tell you that then. Sure. Sure. Easy. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> so you you are joining me to talk to, to talk a little bit about about this weird thing that happens between what goes on at the table, what goes on in people's heads, and then what you hear on the recording. Yes. Because I think that's three different things. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And really what you told me doesn't change that um, so much. Um, it really reinforces what my contention is. So my, I thought about calling in, and it, there was just too much. So um, this is easier just to talk to you in person. But my contention is that if there is, let's say, tension at the table or just any, anyone feeling any sort of way about anything that goes on or um, anything like that, the only way to get to the bottom of that about what someone's actually feeling or anything like that is actually asking them, listening to their podcast or having them call into your podcast and tell you how they're feeling about things, that you can't take that information away from listening to the actual play. And my first call was in... Um, response to i think goblin's henchman mm, yeah he's the one that started this whole mess yeah yeah and, blame him blame and, him uh, you know i i don't want to come across as like telling anyone they're wrong i just wanted to give some behind the scenes to kind of help people navigate how this works because what you're hearing when you hear an actual play is not what happened at the table by any stretch of the imagination um yeah at least yeah. at least your actual place. <laughs> I can't speak for well, other people's, but I know a fair deal uh, we, about yours. We could imagine. Yeah, we could imagine that Correct. that is the case for Correct. everyone. Um, but um, uh, before we get into that, why don't why didn't you tell the listeners <laughs> why you know so much about my actual plays? Ah, because I mean, some of them probably know. I edit. I do audio editing on a good deal of your actual plays, as well as sound design and uh, some music uh, on those actual plays as well. So... I have the unique pleasure of listening to Andy and his gaming groups multiple times over. If you're the biggest fan of Grizzly Peaks Radio out there, I've listened more than you. Guarantee you. I've heard yeah, every word and, at least three paying. times. <laughs> and 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 it's showing. <laughs> it's showing. I can only um, apologize from the bottom of my heart for making you to making you listen to me. I mean, you've probably listened to me more than my wife has ever listened to me. You've talked to me more than my wife, so. (laughs) Should we move on? Yeah, we should. (laughs) (laughs) So, you have listened to a lot of the raw footage 
from the actual plays. You've also played in a bunch of my games as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting that you got both experiences, and you you've even edited yourself. That's the worst. In, that's in the worst thing plays. ever is editing yourself. Well, why? Because, and it's not one of those. Ooh, I hate my voice things. I'm not a huge fan of my voice, but no one is. But it's not that. It's I. I'm always always afraid that I'm editing myself unfairly. <laughs> that I'm that well, I'm like leaving in too much, kicking my leaving all my yeah much. all my favorite lines of myself. You know, and and it, you can do some weird things. And this is the reason I want to talk to you, because um, you can make a situation sound way more awkward than it is. If <laughs> yeah. you wanted to, if you wanted to do that, you could make. And I've done it on accident. And I was going to give an example of that um, when we talk about this today. Like um, a, a real specific example that comes to mind that I just picked out recently was. Uh, the second Eldritch Organ uh, actual play, the one that I was in. Yeah. So I, I listened to that one out there the first time, and then I edit, did the editing on it as well. And when we do the intros, those intros, one, it's an improvised game. So everyone has just like this real basic idea of a few like beats for who their character is. And you ask, hey, give us an introduction, and it does not roll off our tongue in any Anyway, the way it sounds like on on the recording, there's lots of pauses and gaps. You're asking probing questions to try to get a little more information here and there from people. Everyone's just kind of warming up to each other. It's just a regular game table. Then we edit all of that out to where it just sounds like, you know, Spencer just rolls off everything that he says about his character. There's no gaps. There's no pauses. There's no breaks. It's like he had it written down on a cue card. That's not what was going on in, in real time. And a very specific thing was when Safer was talking, there was a lot of cutting up between the group, between him and you, uh, asking you know funny questions here and there, thing, and then it gets to the end, and you're like, you know, a very standard Andy line, oh, lovely, lovely, and we move on. <laughs> but the way it sounds on the audio is, Safer gives this description of his character, and I didn't catch this till afterwards, I would've tried to fix it, but I didn't catch it until listening to the actual, rec- when it was published. Safer gives this long explanation of his character, and you just kind of go, lovely. So let's get started. <laughs> and it sounds like you just like, we're like, mm-hmm, okay, whatever. And that, that's not what happened <laughs> at all, but that's the way, by accident, I edited it to sound. Uh, so those are the kind of things you have to be careful with, because you could easily, if someone's telling jokes, you've seen the, the videos on YouTube or whatever, where people edit out the laugh tracks from a comedy series, and all of a sudden, everyone looks like a psychopath. Yeah. You could do that to people. You could go through, and every time a certain person tells a joke, you could just drop the volume on all the laughter at the table and so it would just be mm-hmm. like a gap afterwards of everyone like sound like everyone's just like staring at this person like why do they keep making with the jokes yeah of an, course. an of evil course editor do could do something like that just an <laughs> evil person but um i want to pick up on something you said the the typical andy thing of lovely lovely because um as you said i also edit some of them i i, I you know i try and edit as much as i can but really um i'm i'm pretty pretty slow and bad so I you know I leave it leave it to the master but you know I you really pick up on your verbal tics when you when you edit your own stuff and and other people's as well of course and and it starts to become I wouldn't say annoying I mean it is kind of annoying but you you start wanting to cut all of that stuff out because it's really grating on your ear and I actually think that a listener unless they're listening really dedicatedly, they would never get annoyed by that kind of uh, verbal tick no. or repeated phrase, I don't think. And there, there's another side to it, and that if I take out, I try to take out a lot of uh, when people say um 
Um, especially when it's like, like that right there, when it's on its own, when it's not leading into something else, it's very easy to just clip those out. Uh, try to take out, um, you know, lip smack kind of sounds like things like that. As, as people talk, you don't realize how often people do these things. Um, but if you take out too many of those, it starts to sound robotic and unnatural. Um, especially when you're doing a character. Uh, you have to be really careful with editing the way a character talks. If you're describing uh, what's going on as they enter, the characters enter a room, and every so often you're kind of pausing for a beat to kind of catch catch up, you're getting your brain to catch up because you're reading part of it, but you're also kind of improving parts of it. And so every so often you're you're you know giving a an extra maybe and or something in between. Um and and this happens and um okay this happens. Okay, you can cut those out; it's no problem. But if you have a character that's that's throwing a lot of ums and things in, you're consciously making that decision to put those in because that's the way the character's talking, and so maybe the character's nervous and you're portraying mm. that. Uh, through the way you talk, so it's there's it's finicky. It's finicky to mess with. Yeah, yeah. Um, he says, um, "Oh, yeah. um, I know yeah. the shape of my ums now. I know the shape. Of my I do, ums yeah, I know the shape of your ums too. <laughs> They're delightful. What a weird thing to know, isn't it? About isn't someone. it? Yeah, they they tape. they they taper. They're kind of like almost a trapezoid, and they taper yeah. towards the the right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Now, now here's the thing. Here's here's the thing. I was editing the final episode of Blackwater Creek uh, today, actually this evening, and I realised that I don't edit out the other players' ums anywhere near as much as I edit mine because mine really annoy me, and I do a lot of them, and I and I, but I don't often edit the other players' ums because they they speak less as an individual, of course, as a player. You're going to speak less overall than the GM. So I feel like I want to retain as much of their speech as possible and get rid of m- as much of mine as possible to a- a balance it out a bit. I hope you do that. Um, it yeah, like I said, when when a character is talking, I I try not to mess with it too much, and that's when it's one of your characters or a player's character. Um, mm. But when people are talking, especially if someone's like giving their character introduction or things like that. Um, or if someone's really thinking through something, it can get a little plodding to listen to someone think out loud with a lot of gaps in between and things think, like that. I think I know who you're talking about, but I won't say. Oh, weird. <laughs> I, 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 there's a very specific player who... Anyway. Hmm. Um, hmm. Moving okay. on. <laughs> Jeez. Because <laughs> I don't want to drop any, either of us uh, in there. Sorry, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being evil tonight. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I, I don't think of it as a, I as a negative my- thing it, it because it's normal at the table. Um, and it's I, to me, it's better to have someone's really thinking things through because you also have some players that really like to just jump right into things uh, without it's thinking. True. And that can be a little bit annoying in any game setting, not just when you're film, or recording an actual play. So uh, I, I would rather the person but, be methodical. But- it's really easy for me to fix that. Mm. <laughs> Okay, yeah, from an editing point of view, yeah. sure. Um, from from a GMing point of view, mm. uh, there's an amount of planning and thought that just makes the game drag. And that's, you know, I've talked yes. about this before, so yeah. I, I don't want to rehash all of that again. But what I want to talk about, um, really, the, this, this very, inter- to me, very interesting thing about the emotional temperature at the mm-hmm. table and how it's interesting that 
uh, what I find, and you tell me what your perspective is on, is on this, that when you listen back, I think a lot of that, a lot of those tense moments don't seem as tense to me on the recording as they actually felt at the time. Now, of course, you can only say that about the games you've played in, I'm, or maybe other. I, yeah. I would have to say I think I am maybe not very observant about such things in real time. Uh, mm. Because I have not felt a lot of tension in our games, but I think there must have been some there if people were picking up on it. Um, and you you have the luxury of having, uh, you know, if people are calling in and talking to you or people are giving you feedback, you've heard feedback. So what kind of feedback have you gotten? I'd, I'd be very interested to know. Well... I think other than the really standout examples of where things went wrong, and I've talked about them a lot, and I've talked to my players about them a lot, I think there's all these little micro moments where people are frustrated at someone's decision or yes. actions, okay. yeah. and, and they kind of react. And I think that when you're in the middle of the game, I think it can be quite sort of awkward and jarring and then what I find is often when I listen back, it doesn't sound as bad as I, as I thought I can, it did or felt it did at the time. I can, I can feel that a little. Um, and yeah, that's, that's another thing that I, a lot of times I think I edit around those things a little bit. Um, mm. And it, it is very hard for me to tell. One thing that's a little strange is like with Discord, especially if you're using like a, a Craig recording, things will get a little out of order sometimes because Craig records a different, it comes all through the server. So things come out at different speeds. So it won't actually match up with a, a recording. That's why I'm, I'm very happy that you're going to a lot of, um, uh, how are you, what are you calling it? Um, everyone recording on their own devices basically, and then compiling it because I think you mm. get a better document that way of what actually happened. But, um, one thing that comes up a lot in, in game sessions and it happens in game sessions I've not been doing actual plays on it happens in every game session but it really stands out to me because I can pick it apart when it's when everything's recorded into separate tracks is the the GM asks a question you know what do you guys do next and there's four people playing four people answer at once and everyone knows what they said and they maybe heard what one other person said and the next thing that happens is uh, one of the people said what they said was kind of a joke and everyone laughs at the joke. And then that joke reminds everyone of like a, a, a joke from a TV show and everyone starts talking about that TV show. And then there's, there's an argument at the table about was that TV show in the eighties or was it in the seventies? And then someone looks it up on Wikipedia and it turns out it was in the eighties and the seventies. Um, and it's, and it's actually about to get rebooted and no one really wants that. No one's really interested in it being rebooted, but you know, the, we got to get back to the game, right? Oh yeah. Well, what were we saying? Well, we, we, there were a couple options. What, what did everyone say? And okay. Now person, let's see, there's person A, B, C, and D person C and D are like, they've already heard something else that was said that they like better than their idea. So they don't re-repeat their idea or maybe they feel here's the other thing that could be happening. Maybe they feel overwhelmed by the other people's personalities at the table. And so they don't bring it up, but for whatever reason, they mm. don't revisit their idea. I would assume usually if someone doesn't bring their idea up again, when people ask, it's because they went, Oh, what person B said was probably our best course of action. Let's just go with that. That's an assumption I'm making. I'm not sure, but people don't, um, I, <clears throat> well, you know, if people don't bring it up now we get, well, it, we had option A, and what did person B say? Okay, person, yeah, I really like that. Let's go with that. And then we move on. 
Um, when, so what, what were you going to say? I, I was going to say, I, I think this is kind of the key issue here. This is, this is for me where the tension arises when there are certain dominant voices in the group and that's almost like the default or it's become the, the norm. It's been normed that certain people will talk a lot. Others will be more passive and will often get overridden. Right. Or, or have their ideas crit- criticized or, or, or not criticized, but kind of, I don't know, poo-pooed, mm-hmm. to use a, a, very, a very nice phrase, to have their ideas just, just kind of discarded. And, and it becomes the, the pattern. And I, I think that this is where you often find some tension, because occasionally that player who's been overridden a lot will just say, but you know what, I, 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 no, I want to do this now. I want to do this. And, the, and then some of the more dominant players will be a bit shocked. Surprise that, that that this person has has made a strong statement like that. I, I see that happening quite often, hmm. um, to be honest. Fair, fair. The uh, I guess from my point of view, uh, having seen so many of these episodes, people usually get in what they want to say over time. Now there are things where a lot of times it's just that their voice got lost in the group and mm-hmm. they never came back to it. Yeah. And so part of me goes, well, that's kind of on them, um, you know, for not, not mm-hmm. bringing it back around. Like, you know, eventually you get your chance, but there's also a, a lot of times people are trying to be, um, trying to be a little bit uh, cognizant of the narrative and not step on that. So if this if the conversation is going on in character and we're all throwing out ideas, but your idea kind of got talked over and now the conversation's moving on to the next thing, I can see there's situations where people are a little bit nervous about um, or not wanting to backtrack too much, feeling like that maybe takes away something from the overall game. So in trying to make for a, a better experience for everybody, they end up, you know, dropping their own ideas a lot because they're getting kind of lost in the uh, confusion. One thing I I actually do when I'm recording, or not recording, when I'm editing, is when you have that happen and everyone speaks at once, usually I will split all those out to where it sounds like everyone sort of answered in in down the line. It's like everyone will Mm. throw out their idea and then all that middle conversation gets cut out and then it cuts straight to the person saying, hey, I like person B's idea. Let's go with that. And everyone's like, yeah, that's okay with me. And we move on. And so, again, that probably doesn't give the best representation of what actually happened at the table, because to be fair to everyone, most people only heard, like I said, what they said uh, the first time. But then all that gets cut out and it's it's not clear on the final recording how hard it would have been in the moment to have parsed out who said what or anything like that, or even hear all the things that were said. There's times where I, I'm like, I see something on someone's track, but I'm not hearing them talk, and I have to drop everything out. And I'm like, oh, what a great line. No one heard it, and it's on the recording. I guarantee you no one heard it. Uh, and it, I, <laughs> I will, I'll call somebody out. There's a couple of lines from Spencer that I guarantee no one heard <laughs> the first time yeah, around, yeah. but I made sure to make them prominent in the actual place because it's good stuff because everything Spencer says is gold. Yeah, 
yeah. Yeah, but but he's quiet on the mic, and, and he has a terrible mic. <laughs> so he doesn't come through very strong, poor old Spencer. Uh, it's, um, it's improved. The last recording I, you gave me of his was really solid. Um, Surrey yeah, 3. Yeah, I don't know what we... we yeah, we move some moves, we change some things up. But what I've done that as well, where you sequence them. But sometimes it's weird because when you hear them in a sequence, you expect them all to be following on from the other, but they don't because they're all, in reality, they were all overlapping. Right. So hearing right. them in sequence, there's no logical flow to them. It's just a it, bunch of random comments one after the other. It, it definitely seems. does depend on the situation so, if that's going to work or not. Yeah, yeah, there are times where it's, exactly, it's, it's exactly. off-putting. So, um, Good. This is this is very inside baseball, isn't it? <laughs> what we've been talking. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's going to be interested in this at all. Uh, I no, probably not. But, but <laughs> and I don't know that it really answers the questions that are that are going on because I. It sounds like so you've got you've got messages. If these got you mentioned some messages. Have these gone out yet? Mm. Have these? Yeah, no, no. They're they're, they're probably going to be part of this recording, okay. a part of this episode, because I kind of did a little um, piece earlier this morning and put them in. But um, you know, the mess, the main message from from Safer was that he felt he felt that he was annoying the other players in both games. Oh, that's a which, that's a left turn. Uh, um, yeah, I boy. And that wasn't the case. No, no. I mean, I didn't feel that. No, I... And I don't think it came across that way either, so... <laughs> I absolutely adored all four of those characters, my own included, um, in in the in the uh, Elder Trogon Part 2. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was a fantastic group. Uh, and the characters everyone picked to play were so... Um, everyone slipped right into them so well. So, yeah, I was mm. not... An, I, I'm not sure what what would have possibly annoyed me about Saber's character. It was fantastic. Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't understand it about the second one either. The first one, that's the one where there was this disagreement of approach between um, Spencer and, and Safer. But what Spencer... Because Spencer left a long message as well. He was saying He was saying that... Um, he he absolutely didn't feel that there was tension. Um, he felt it was just they were just both playing their characters, and and maybe it's just safer being too self-critical or too self-conscious or something. Because yeah, maybe there was a little bit of you know when they were you know, safer wanted to go all gung ho and blow shit up, and, and Spencer wanted to take a more careful approach. But that's just that's just normal stuff that happens in, in any game where someone wants to do something crazy yeah. and others are trying to yeah. rein them in. And that's all part of the fun. Yeah, and I I didn't I didn't pick up on any of that on on the on Elder Shorgan part one. I didn't pick up on the on any on anything just from the recording, even listening to the original recordings without any editing, that would make me think that anyone was really upset or frustrated in any way. It was such a bizarre situation. I thought uh, I, I I really enjoyed that Barney had in his head what this thing would do if they did this thing to it, <laughs> and he stuck <laughs> with it. He like he, yes. it was like okay, if you did that, here's what happens, and this is the end of the game. <laughs> like it was, I would not have had the nerve. It's phenomenal, to do that. It's I'd phenomenal. Have gone, I've I'd have adjusted I've, it. I've done I'd that myself in games. Fly. I've done that my I've, I've done that to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> they nuked themselves one time. Now, it happens. 
just gotta let them live and learn. Yeah, I, I'd have thought, no, we can't just end it like that. That's too, that's too, that's no, too it's sudden. Fantastic. That's too it's fantastic. It was fantastic though. Far better than than if if it have chickened out. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just want to uh, wrap this up with reading a, a message from my friend, which you've already seen, um, which I think is one of the best comments or compliments I think we've we've ever had for for one of our EPs, and and it's from my friend Varen, who actually plays in Blackwater Creek and mm. um, the soon well at some point to be to be released um, Berlin um, adventures which are just fantastic but this, that's a long way down the line when by the time they'll come out but he said by the way Andy your latest actual play with all the geriatric characters is hilarious like a radio play that's high praise that is mm-hmm. high praise and you know what should I admit something really embarrassing? After, after he said that, I, I, I started re-listening to it. <laughs> and man, <laughs> I think it's the best stuff we've ever done, both from an editing point of view and from an improv point of view. And I don't know. I, I just love it. I just like, love it. Like you said, I love all four characters that are amazing. And the chemistry between them is just unreal. And it was all just random, like just completely pulled out of all our collective answers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 it was, it was, it was incredibly fun just playing the session. Uh, we, I mean, there's honestly, there's a lot of us cutting up and laughing, but man, I cut out a lot of laughing. Like, <laughs> we, it was, yeah, it was fun stuff. So, yeah, you cut out like an hour. Yeah. So I imagine a lot of that was yeah. laughter. <laughs> All right, man. Well, look. Um, we should. We're going to be doing it again. I'm sure at some point. Um, I I hope we can create gold again. But let's see. Who can Maybe see? It was Who can see? Lightning. No, it was lightning in a bottle. Okay, TJ. Well, look. Have a good. Uh, uh, I, I don't know what day it is. Thursday. Hope, and we'll we'll. Hope we didn't insult we'll anybody. Soon. Did we, did we insult anybody? Did we hurt? I don't. I don't hope we didn't um, hurt anybody. No, we didn't mention. <laughs> no, no children or animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. All right. Anyone we mentioned by name, if if we're really wrong, tell us. Yeah, please. Tell, Tell TJ. Call him out. And I apologize in advance for anything <laughs> stupid I've done. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Later. Later, man. It's a game we're role-playing. I'm a stranger and you're making mistakes. I Smell your body